We have a lock-in, a youth lock-in this Friday for the girls and the guys, and there should be a, you should have received a card when you got in, and if you have any questions, you can ask Terry about that. And then um, we're sending out some missionaries to do a mission uh, this week, so would Ty and Terry Hensley, would y'all come up this morning? So as you know, uh, Ty and Terry Hensley, they've been coming probably for more than a year now, and, and they had started... Uh, a missions project in, Viet- in Vietnam, and it's called Rice for Christ. And so our church supports them, and they raise money from different sources, and they go over there, and they supply, uh, you know, a, a week's food. It's, it's a week, right? right? A week of Bibles and, and rice and all kind of things, and they, they're at different churches, and people come to different churches around the region and uh, to pick up these things, and, and uh, it's a great blessing, and and people are getting saved. And how many of you know that uh, sometimes, you know, people, you need to meet people where their needs are. Don't tell them Jesus loves them if they have a flat tire. Help them get a flat tire. Help them get a new tire. You know what I'm saying? And so this is meeting needs in tangible ways. And, and uh, we're proud to support you. And we're proud of you going out. And, and j- just so you know, uh, Terry, how old were you when you started this? He, God gave him this vision at 69, and he, he's carrying it out. And how I many know that keeps you young, right? Keeps you passionate young, yeah. So would you, they're leaving Wednesday, and we just want to bless the whole trip and the whole mission. Would you just reach your hands toward them? And God, we just pray for Terry and Ty right now. God, I pray that you're blessing their lives as they've been faithful to obey what you've asked them to do. And Lord, I pray for your protection over them as they travel. Air, on the air, on ground. And I pray for the, the, your spirit of organization just to help everything go smoothly in Jesus' name. But most importantly, God, we pray for Vietnam and we pray for all the families that are going to be touched. And I, we pray that many people would come to know Jesus just through their sincere act of love and, uh, and hope towards people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank God bless you. So you. God bless you. I want to talk for a little bit. Oh, you want to talk? Good morning. Just talk. Hello. Hector, this time you lose your mic, bro. There we go. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Um, I can tell about a um, little bit because I don't speak English very well. But I can, the first time I can say, I want to say thank you so much, Pastor Terry and his wife, because they support my poor people in my country. And I thank you, everybody over here, support almost 500 family in Vietnam for this year. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Well, that's, that's awesome, and you know, um, you know, it's, it's, when God puts passion in your heart, you got to follow it. 
you got to follow it. And, and uh, you know, that's one of the things I'm, I'm so blessed with at Family Life and our churches is that, you know, we're just not doing things here. You know, I think that in 2019, we gave over $100,000 to missions all over the world, you know. And, uh, you know, we supported uh, Brother Mark, Pastor Marco. Pastor Marco, stand up. This is Pastor Marco, and many of you don't, may not know him. He, he's spoken here before, but uh, he, he's a member of our church, and he, do, he does pastor's conferences in the Congo, and we, we support him. And thank you, Pastor. You can thank you so much. And, and so, uh, you know, we're able to do all kind of things, and it, and it, it, it makes a difference. And so any t- every, every time you tithe at Family Life, 10% of that goes to local and overseas missions, and we usually give about 15%. So it's, it's, it's a blessing. So first of all, I want to start, I want to start by, uh, by thanking you for being here. I know it's not a beautiful day outside, and it's kind of ugly. And if you don't know this, today is the least attended church day in America, the Sunday after Christmas. And so, I don't know, pat yourself on the back, give yourself a star, sing happy birthday, I don't know, whatever you want to do, but... Uh, but you know what, I know, I know this, that every Sunday when people come, uh, you know, God's going to do something. And, and, and he's excited about that. I want to talk to you uh, this morning um, about, uh, about an ingredient, a spiritual ingredient in your life that perhaps more than anything else can change your life. And we're going to talk about fasting for a spiritual breakthrough. And, uh, you know, as we move into the, the, the new year, and, you know, I know that, you know, theoretically at any time during the year, it could be May, it could be June, it could be October, February, at any time we can make decisions to live differently. But for some reason, a lot of times in our minds, uh, the, when we close out a year, it's like, okay, that year's over, and we're, it's almost like you turn a page in your life, and a new year's coming, and, and, and so many people... Uh, start thinking about the possibilities of, of what, what, what could be if, if God can influence my life more. And you know, a new year can bring expectations uh, that we can make improvements in our personal and spiritual lives. You know, if we take time, uh, you know, to evaluate the past and make plans for the future. And here, here's an important note for everyone here this morning and for every Christian and it, actually every person that's, that's walking on the earth, is that God created you and he has a special plan for your life. And, but what we, sometimes we're not tapping into that plan and there's some things that are, that are holding, holding us back, but for sure God wants to use you this year to do something uh, not only in the world, in our community, but he wants you to touch the lives of other people every day Think about this, every day we rub shoulders with people at work, in our family, in our neighborhood, at the gym, whatever. And I I want you to think about this. You know, are you having a positive impact on the people around you or would they not view you as a positive impact on their lives? I mean, just, just think about that for a minute. But to me, again, this is my opinion, but the greatest barrier to reaching our spiritual potential is us. Terry is the greatest hindrance for God using me to do great things. And, and I think all of us, sometimes the biggest hurdle we have to get over is ourselves. It, it's ourselves and, and some of the things, uh, you know, the habits, the patterns, um, the attitudes that we've developed in our daily lives can really get in the way of God using us 
to encourage other people, to pray with other people. Um, our, it's our habits, our attitudes, and our living in the past many times that keeps us from really doing more and accomplishing what God has for, for our lives. And, you know, every year since the beginning of our church, every year, the first full week in January, we have a week of prayer and fasting. And so the first full week, I believe, it's, it's, it's January 6th through the 10th. So Monday through Friday, you know, we, you know, we just declare a week of prayer and fasting. We open up the church building every evening of the week at 7 p.m., and, and, and just open it up for people to come up here and pray. And a lot of times people say, well, I can't pray for an hour. But we have, we have worship music going and people bring their Bibles. You can read, you can pray, you can sing. And, but just to spend that time with God because so many times our lives are so hectic that we say we're going to spend extra time with God. But if we stay at home, we won't. You know, we'll turn on the TV or we'll get distracted or we'll, we'll, we'll try to do something. But so that's going to be available the, the, the first week in January. And, uh, you know, in my, in my personal life, again, this is, this is me, but in my personal life, I've discovered that nothing works better for me than to fast and pray. Um, when, when I, you know, dedicate myself to that, it seems like I get more guidance than normal. I get more direction than normal. Um, sometimes I get deliverance from things that are in the way and hold me back. And, and I feel like the, the power of God is released in my life. And again, it's not fun, but it's beneficial. How many things in your life are not fun, but they, they're beneficial? And we can list a lot of things like, yeah, I'm not doing any of them, but yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. And, but, but, but that's true. Sometimes the things that are the most important in our life, they may not... They're fun after you do them. They're, they're beneficial when you do them, but you don't just wake up every day and say, oh, I'm excited. You know, I'm excited about going to the gym or I'm excited about certain things. So, but it's hard work. Fasting is hard work, but it brings spiritual fruit in our life. And, uh, you know, I've, I've discovered that a lot of people, a lot of Christians that have been going to church, maybe Christians for a long time, they have never really heard very much, very much teaching or a lesson ever on what is, what is prayer and fasting? How does it work? How do you do it? And so, you know, once a year, I just like to talk about it uh, because I think it, it is, it is, it's that important. So simply put, if you look up in the dictionary, fasting is it's, it's a voluntary uh, missing of a life need. It's when uh, you do without something in your life. And the encyclopedia would put it this way. It's the practice of abstaining from food, either completely or partially, for a specified period of time. And so we know that, that food is, I mean, a lot of times we don't think like this, but food is not the most basic essential in life. First of all, is air. If we ran out of oxygen in this room, we wouldn't make it very, very long. Air is number one. Water is number two. Uh, scientists say that, that um, sleep is number three. And food is number four. And so basically, if you don't eat for, you can make it for quite a, quite a while. Some of us can make it longer than others, but you know, um, that's the way it goes. But little is said about fasting today, and it's not popular because fasting is about denying yourself. And for some reason in church, I don't know, some reason I feel like a lot of times church in America has become about making people feel good. And what I've learned is what makes you feel good is when you're thriving in life. What makes you feel good is when your marriage is doing better. What makes you feel feel better is when your home is in order. And a lot of times we, it takes denial and, and seeking God to get there. Um, but little is said about fasting. But the Bible lists fasting. There's 55 references 
that talked specifically about people who fasted, how they did it, and what it accomplished in their life. So again, 55 times, and I, again, I think that when something is mentioned in the Bible, it's important, but it, and when it's mentioned over and over and over again, when you get up to 55 times, I think that God is wanting us to, to read about that, to think about that, discover that, and use that um, in, in our lives. The early church, you know, we, of course, we have the Bible that tells about the early church, but we have a lot of historical documents from the church fathers also. And one of what we find is that one of the pillars to the early church was, was prayer and fasting. Uh, coming and, and, and again, prayer is mentioned many times in the Bible, I believe 272 times. But the majority of those times when prayer is mentioned, it's mentioned in corporate prayer where the church comes together and, and fasts and, and, and prays, prays together. But a spiritual, so the spiritual, it's one of the spiritual, spiritual disciplines in the early church, like, re, you know, reading your Bible, learning God's word is a spiritual discipline. Um, fellowshipping together. That's, that's a spiritual discipline. Acts of service, serving people and serving your community. That's, that's a spiritual pillar. And of course, prayer and fasting are as well. So just a little bit of the history of fasting through the Bible. The word fast is derived from the Hebrew word. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Psalm. Uh, um, and the Greek word is nesteia, which is, you know, the New Testament. And both of these words re refer to self-denial. So fasting is about self-denial. And as you read the Bible, all of the great men and women of the Bible fasted. The Bible records they fasted. Men like Elijah and Moses and John the Baptist and Paul and Daniel and Samuel and Ezra, Esther and Hannah, and of course Jesus fasted. Um, there, there's three normal kinds of fasting or three kinds of fasting that the Bible kind of mentions. The first one is a normal fast. And the normal fast is just simply going without food for a definite period of time during which time you drink only liquid. So like, so maybe they fast for a day, they don't eat food and they just drink water for a day or some, some of you may just drink juices and, but you, 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 re, you know, you, you pull away from food and it can be one day, three days, up to a week or longer. The second one that's mentioned, it's mentioned uh, and it's done two times and I, I don't advise this, that's the absolute fast. The absolute fast, is, of course, is where you don't, you don't eat any food or drink any water at all. And of course, without supernatural intervention, you're not gonna make it very long, okay? Uh, but, but we have this in Exodus 34, 28. An example of this is Moses. Of course, when he goes on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, it says Moses was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And of course, so he is in the presence of God on Mount Sinai for 40 days receiving the Ten Commandments. And so his nourishment wasn't physical, it was spiritual. But he didn't eat or drink for 40 days. And of course, one of the most, most popular uh, forms of fasting that many people do is, is kind of called a partial fast. And a partial fast is where you omit certain uh, foods or you're on a schedule that includes limited eating. It may consist of, of skipping one meal a day or eating just one meal a day. It may include eating only fresh vegetables for several days. And, and many times this is called the Daniel fast. And there's been books written on this, but the Daniel fast is referring to Daniel and his three friends, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who they're taken from, from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon, and they're put in the king's service. 
and the king made all of his young apprentices, all of his young students, eat a certain amount of food, eat certain types of food. And Daniel and them didn't want to do that because that's not how the Israel people ate. So let's, let's read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 11 through 12. It says, Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who ate the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate at the royal, ate the royal food. So again, uh, their, their, their bodies responded. And we've had a number of people in the church, a number of people, uh, who maybe they had high blood pressure, maybe they had high cholesterol, and they did a 30-day Daniel fast, you know, 30 days just fruits, vegetables, and water. And at the end of the time, uh, they went to the doctor, and they didn't even need to be on medicine anymore. Everything had just corrected, and, you know, sometimes um, fasting can do that, and, of course, eating uh, healthier can, can help as well. But fasting is, is just simply put, it's a, it's a time of intense spiritual focus. So, you know, I, I think... You know, don't just starve yourself and do nothing. The purpose is to deny ourselves something that we like, like food, but it's to spend more time with God. And so I encourage people, you know, cut the computer off if you don't have to have it. Turn the TV off. You know, turn the, turn the oven off. Just take a break. And the whole point is, is I'm going to deny myself. And when I used to spend hours watching TV or doing this, I'm, I'm going to spend that. In spiritual pursuit. I'm going to spend that reading the Bible, going on a walk and praying, spending some solitude, asking God to, you know, just to help me, uh, you know, to, to, to just to, to speak into my life. And so, you know, it's not something to be legalistic about. I tell people, you pray about what God wants you to do and then just do it. You don't have to fast like the person next to you. If you're very new at this and have never done it, um, it's probably going to be harder than someone who's done this every year for a certain period. And, and you don't have to fast the first week of the year. You can do it all the, all the time. But I think, you know, the first time of the year is, is, is pretty important because we're, we're trying to set new patterns in our life. We're trying to set new goals, new trajectories in our life. And so here's the number one thing. If you're going to be effective, if you're going to be, um, if you're going to complete a fast and do it right, there's, there's one thing that you have to do, and you have to dethrone King's stomach. Now, I want you, you're sitting down, so I want you to look straight down. You can pat it right there. If you didn't know who King's stomach was, now you've been properly introduced, okay? It's, it's, right, it's right there. Uh, but again, to participate in the discipline of fasting, you have to conquer your appetites, your, you know, your stomach and all that. And uh, that's just one of the things. I'll, I'll never forget uh, one of my friends, he just, he moved to Ohio last year, but Sergio was here. And I was at Sergio's house one day, many years ago, and uh, they were taking notes on my sermons, and they had a notepad right there. So I was just reading through them. I'm like, man, your notes are better than my sermon, man. This is really neat. And I'm going through there, and he, you know, one of his kids or something wrote a note to him. Are we going to Taco Bell for lunch? I'm like, that's King's stomach right there. I mean, you can't even make it through a sermon, right? We're planning where, where we go. Uh, but, you know, it's funny, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, the first sin, Genesis 3, with Adam and Eve, 
And what we learned about Adam and Eve was they were given this, this perfect environment, this beautiful place to live, and they had a job to do. They were working and managing it. And, and God told them, look, you can eat from any tree you want in the garden, but there was one tree that was off limit, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we, of course, we know that they, they didn't listen to God. They chose to disobey God, and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, of course, it cost them their home. And so we, what we see is Adam and Eve literally ate themselves out of house and home. And, or, but but a, a, better, a better way to say it is this. A better way to say it is this. Because they couldn't control their appetites, their appetites got the best of them. And because we live in these human bodies, like I'm talking to you, but I'm just as guilty isn't the word, but I'm, I'm as much, a, it's as much of a problem for me as you. But sometimes we let our appetites get a hold in our lives and they push us to do things. And the, our appetites and our desires are controlling us instead of the Spirit of God. And so that's what happened to Adam and Eve. I want to show you something else I think is very, very important. Okay, we know that if you read the Old Testament, there were two really, really bad people, groups of people that are always mentioned, Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know in Genesis 18 and 19 that God destroyed them with hell and brimstone because they were just such a godless people. But, you know, in Ezekiel 16, verse 49 through 50, it actually tells us what they did wrong. It tells us what they did that, was, that got them to the point where God despised them. In Ezekiel 16, verse 49 through 50, it says this. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters, they were arrogant, they were overfed and unconcerned, and they did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. And of course, there's four or five things listed there. But the three main sins listed was this. They, didn't, they had no concern for the poor and needy around them. They gave nothing to help people out. Number two, there was no praying. They were arrogant and idle. And number three, they were overfed. They were guilty of gluttony. And I would never preach a message on gluttony after we just went through Christmas because why, why indict ourselves, right? But, but here's the point. When it says they were guilty of gluttony, that is not just talking about food. It's talking their, their, their appetites had gotten the best of them. It doesn't matter if, you're, if, you're, if your appetite is toward a sexual nature or if your appetite is toward an addiction or if your appetite is toward being critical, if your appetite is, 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 leads you to be arrogant and prideful, it's, see, that's the problem is, is we, we, we indulge ourselves and let ourselves get away from where God wants us and, and, and we, we participate in gluttony of some type. We're over-consuming things that are not good for us, whether it's food or a different thing. And so what happens is during the week of prayer and fasting, is when we deny ourselves and really, really, I'm talking about really press into God and really seek him and, and, and really just give him our very best, what happens is a lot of these things that we don't even know are overriding our lives get exposed. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us and say, hey, that area of your life is, it's, it's, it's out of balance. That area of your life is not good. And, and so fasting is a time that, you know, we're off balance. It can just get us on balance. 
And, and honestly, I, you know, if we're going to be serious about our spiritual walk, we should fast during the year too. You know, we, I mean, but, but this is, this is, anyway, I'm asking for a week and I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask for more than that. So what's very interesting is, is Jesus is teaching his disciples and he goes, he goes to the same, uh, in, in Matthew, he, he lists these three same, same sins. And let's look at Matthew chapter six, verse two through eight, then 16 through 18, uh, it says this, Jesus, Jesus is teaching his disciples three important spiritual principles that should be evident in the life of every believer. Okay, so this is not Terry saying this. I'm just reading what Jesus said. It says, so, and notice this, it, th- with these three things, it always says when. When you do this, when you do this. So, in other words, what he's saying, if you're a Christian, these things should be evident in your life. It says this, so when you give to the needy, uh, you know, don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And so when you give and when you pray, Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. For then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. And I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So when you give, when, when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, and, and then he tells, he tells them how to do each one of these, of these three principles in the right manner. And again, it's, it's an interesting note that this is what Sodom was condemned for. There, there, there's no giving, there's no praying, and they do not fast. And, you know, so Ezekiel says this in the Old Testament about Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what they're guilty of. And Jesus tells his disciples, this should be in the life of every Christian. And quite honestly, I think, I think the, the prophecy in Ezekiel uh, can, is being fulfilled today in, in every affluent country in the nation. I mean, when you, go to, when you go to poor nations of the world, you don't see these things. But when you go to rich, affluent nations like the United States or many parts of Europe, this is what you see a lot of times in church that, that you know, people aren't giving, people aren't praying, and, and people, uh, you know, they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not fasting. And I, I, mean, I mean, think about this. So there's 370,000 churches in America. There's millions of people that go into church, and only, only 12% of them actually give some of what they make to support the kingdom of God. I mean, that's a, that's a staggering figure. Um, when we have the week of prayer and fasting, if we have a, a buffet or a potluck, it's greatly attended. 
the week of prayer and fasting, it, it was always our smallest week until the last couple years when people really, really started stepping up. And again, I'm not, you know, uh, please, I, I'm, this is to me as well. Because we, when we have so many blessings, it's, e- it's just easy to be lazy. Amen. It's easy to not, to, not, to not be thankful. And, you know, it's like, man, when, when you're in dire straits, it's easy to be passionate. But when you're blessed like we are, it's hard to dig deep and say, man, I've got I've to stay passionate about the things of God. I've got to care about other people. Hey, God's blessed me with a great job. I've, I've got to give some of that to support the kingdom and missions around the world. And uh, so let me, let me talk about three other things real quick. Why is it so important to fast at the beginning of the year? And again, I believe that any time you fast is beneficial. It doesn't matter if it's in March, May, June. But one thing I believe and I found in my personal life is is when we fast in the beginning of the year, it sets the course for the upcoming year. And I, I believe that we should give God the first of everything, the first of every day, the first of every week, the first of every dollar we earn. But I believe, especially when we're trying to turn a page, and, and there, I don't think there's anyone in here. I would be shocked if there's anyone in here, this, in here that would say, you know, I want 2020 to, do, to be better than 2019. I want to be a better person. I want to be a, more of a godly person. I want to be a better father, a better husband, a better friend. I want to represent Jesus better. I, I know that there's no one here that would say, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to do worse in 2020. But sometimes... What happens is our mouths say what we want to do, but it's our heart that directs what we do. And again, if our heart isn't right, it's going to be hard to really do better than we did last year because we say the things, but if there's no change and no direction and no self-denial and we keep letting the same appetites dictate our lives, it's really hard to make improvements. So I have found that, that for me personally, you know, if, if I fast the first week of the year and just really spend time, God, you know, what, what do you want my family to do this year? What do you want me? Is there something specific? What, what are some things you want our church to do? That it, it really, it's really beneficial for helping me set the course for the upcoming year. The second thing it does at the first of the year, fasting of the first year, is, is it establishes the principle of Matthew 6.33 in your life. And Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And so there's a promise in the Bible that says when you put God first, he takes care of the rest. Give God the first and he'll, he'll, he'll bless the rest. Give God the first, especially if you don't have enough, you don't have enough time, whatever. Give him the first and see what he can do with, with the rest of, of what you have. And and so then the third thing is this, and maybe this is the most important, is it creates a spiritual hunger in your life. The greatest problem, the greatest problem is if you as a Christian have no spiritual hunger. I mean, if it's been months since you've opened your Bible, if it's been months since you've worshipped, the, the problem is a lack of spiritual, a spiritual hunger. And here's what I know. If you're spiritually hungry, you can, you can accomplish anything because that hunger is going to drive you to God. But if we lack a spiritual hunger, it's like we're just floating along, like we're just playing a game or I don't know, we're, we're, we're wanting good things to happen, but there's no hunger, there's no drive. 
And it's like that in everything. I mean, to do anything in life, you have to have drive. So to pursue God, there has to be a spiritual hunger as well. And I, I, don't, know, I don't know exactly how it works. You know, there's sometimes principles in the Bible that they're there. And I know that they work, but I don't know why God chose that way. So I don't know why. I don't know why denying ourselves, why it can get us back on track so quickly with God. But it's, it's a spiritual law. I don't have to understand it. I just have to believe it, right? And, and when I do it, it, it you know, it works, in, it works in my life. I, I think spiritual hunger, it, it's just an incredible asset in our lives. But it's also, again, it's hard to maintain spiritual hunger in our lives. But if we can find a way to harness spiritual hunger, it, it can do powerful things in our lives. Just, and one of the main things, it just keeps us focused. So, I, again, I found in my life that prayer and fasting is, is if, I'm, if I'm feeling apathetic, if I'm feeling like, man, I ha- I'm not hearing God's voice the way I know that I should, I am amazed. But one week of prayer and fasting can totally get me back on track. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know, it's just like almost like a defibrillator. It just it hits you and it kind of re- revives you a little bit. Every year, of course, we, we have miracles taking place in family life all the time. I hear miracle stories and things happening. But some of the most incredible miracle stories I've, I've ever heard in the 20 years I've been here at Family Life come during the week of prayer and fasting. And, and one of them that just, you know, just blew me away, I've, I've told it several times, but so we had a week of prayer and fasting, and one particular lady came to every prayer meeting we had. And at that, back then we had morning, 6 a.m. and 7 p.m. She came to every prayer meeting. I mean, I'm pulling here at 5.45 to open the church for 6 a.m. prayer, and, and she was in the parking lot waiting. Now, so that shows me something about hunger because, you know, typically if we have something at 6 a.m., no one's waiting for me when I get here, right? I mean, I, I'm just saying. So that, that stuck out to me. And, you know, there were people praying, and she always sat in the back, the back row. She sat in the back row. And, and so, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to mess with her or anything, and I just leave her alone. And so we, we, we pray, we'd finish, and every day, every day, every day. And typically the way prayer and fasting works is, is Monday's like really crowded, <laughs> and Tuesday's pretty good, and on Wednesday everyone's getting a whopper. You know, that's the way that works. I'm, I'm kidding. But kind of, kind of, how did you know? Um, but every, every prayer meeting, and she was just intense. Like she wasn't talking to anyone. I mean, you hear her back there crying. And so at the end of the, end of the week, I said, hey, you know, um, so tell you, you know, what, you know, what's going on? And she's like, you know, I've battled addictions my whole life. My whole life. For 20 years, I've had an alcohol problem. My marriage is on the rocks. My kids don't like me. I embarrass my kids. I mean, she laid it out there whether I wanted to know it all or not. And she's like, I, this, I've been to rehab. I've been to rehabs, and I still have an issue. She's like, I need God to come into my life and give me a breakthrough. And, and do you know, I, I don't see her anymore, but do you know three years later, she had still not had a drink? Three years later, she, she decided that I have to press into God, I have to fast, I have to pray, and, and because nothing else has worked. 
And that's the type of thing. And when we read the Bible, we know this, that God is not a respecter of persons. What he did for her, he'll do for you. So some of you in here, you may have some things that you don't want to tell anyone. Maybe you're embarrassed about them. And, and, uh, but you know what? God already knows. So we might as well just come to him and cry out to him and say, God, I've tried everything, everything I can to do this, and people have tried, but I need you. I need you. I need you to, to, to help me in my life. And so, you know, as I close, I, I want you to consider three things. And I know when I say these, you're not, you may not like them. I don't like them, but I think they're true. To grow spiritually, you have to do several things. First of all, to grow spiritually, you have to do something that you're not currently doing. If you've been plateaued for five years, six years, 10 years, six months in your spiritual life, or at your work, or with your family, the, you can't do the same thing. You have to do something differently than you're currently doing. Number two, you're probably gonna have to do something that you don't want to do. Again, you don't want to do it, but if it can benefit your life, hey, man, let's do it. Let's, let's get a breakthrough. Let, let's move on with some new things. And third is um, you have to make changes and live them out consistently. And, and that's the hardest thing for human nature. All of us can do something for three days a week or two weeks. It's hard to do the right thing over and over consistently. Consistency is, is the key to really getting a breakthrough. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up this morning and if we get all of our prayer team members to come up quickly. And we're, going to, we're just going to close with a little bit of worship this morning. And of course, all these men and women on the prayer team, they would love to pray with you. And, and uh, you know, something in today's message touched you or if you just need encouragement in your life, if there's something in your life that you just need God to help you with, these men and women would love to pray for you. And, you know, you may want to come up and pray and you don't want anyone to pray for you. And you're welcome to come up here and just kneel down and pray. But, God, we come before you today. And, Lord, we know that all of us are imperfect. All of us have flaws. But, Lord, our goal is to be spiritually mature. Our goal is to let the Holy Spirit knock the rough edges off of us so our hearts are soft, so we have a humble spirit where we hear your voice and, and where we follow your plan for our lives. And so God, I pray that for everyone here this morning. And if you don't need prayer, just worship. If you need prayer, we would love the opportunity to pray for you this morning. There is no like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder, show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in love to go surround. Beside you, open up my eyes in wonder. 
traveling right now and Lord again we just remember our covenant with you that we have a covenant God that we are in covenant with the living God who's all-powerful who's all-knowing and God I just pray your blessings and your protection over everyone here God I we just declare this is gonna be a great year we just declare we're getting breakthroughs in area of our every areas of our lives that we need it and God, we just pray for your blessing and your prosperity, both spiritual and natural, to be upon our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week.